Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit the follow button and to get new episodes as soon as they are released. And leave a rating or review and let your friends and network know about the show. Previous guests on the show have included Sarah Bruel, Meredith Johnson, and Onia Okuwabi. You can go back and listen to those episodes and more. But today's guest is Anne Grizzle. Anne is the chaplain at Boys Home of Virginia, mentors with Leighton Ford Ministries, and leads retreats on spiritual direction and strength for the journey. We talk about spending time with God and have a conversation around the importance of listening to God and to one another. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Anne Grizzle. And welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad to be here, Josh. It's it's wonderful to see what we can, what conversation we can have today. Yeah, I know that. Uh, you know, my wife uh, Meredith has been in a in a mentoring group with you for for many years, and uh, she she loves uh, hearing from you, learning from you, being able to engage with you. And so I'm excited that I get the privilege now and it's not just Meredith that gets it. <laughs> it's a whole family affair and we have learned to find people that we can trust and um, speak our hearts with and be vulnerable with and it has held her and me and all of us for the long haul in our work. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, for for Meredith, that is one of the things that's helped root her and ground her as she uh, walks through ministry challenges um, and life challenges um, throughout her her life. She's been rooted with this group of women that have uh, really been there for each other um, and has been focused on Jesus along the way, which has been uh, a big blessing. Um, what are some things that have uh, rooted you and anchored you uh, throughout your life uh, when challenges start to come? Hmm. Uh, great question. I always go back to uh, John 15, abiding in the vine. Yeah. And I can sometimes get so busy responding to needs and people and urgencies, and I have had to develop a rhythm of abiding. Mm. And at different seasons, that rhythm was different, how much time and how I could make time. For me, it was, um, a lot of it was in sort of silence and quiet and the Mm. sort of being with, not uh, performing for God, or I needed to go and soak, almost like a solar panel. (laughs) <laughs> and be recharged before I went out. And um, it was sort of learning when in my own soul, uh, the power's getting low, sort of like yeah. on my computer or my phone, like this power's getting low and I better go back to the source and plug it in and make that space um, just daily in the morning. I mean, I love to get up in the quiet and, <laughs> and actually be, um, you know, or as the watchman waits for morning. So waits, just the waiting. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the rhythms of of big times away, like Meredith, uh, our group, um, you know, we have a yearly come away uh, time. And I have a a yearly time, actually twice a year that I come away 
for uh, my own personal retreat, mm. time with God to um, re-anchor, refresh, yeah. restore. And if I have that and keep that, uh, both the daily and, and some like the weekly and the yearly rhythm, it helps. Mm. Um, so time with God. And then the second is time with other people who you can really trust and be vulnerable with. Yeah, and it seems really important to have those rhythms as you're as we go out, um, and you know, oftentimes, uh, for me, sometimes I think that there's this dichotomy of this abiding place and the quiet and solitude, um, and then this ministry activity where I am supposed to be busy with all of the things and to perform well. And it seems like that. Um, how, how then does that, those rhythms inform uh, ministry and the way that ministry is done in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I find that if I don't have enough of the go away, like Jesus yeah. did slip away time, the, the quality of my ministry and my work, um, uh, and I've done a lot of counseling and chaplaincy work, and I, I'm not as present to people. You can tell when somebody's got a little light in their eyes and a little energy, and they have a, a heart that's alert, and you can tell when they're weary. Yeah. And so if I get my rhythm right, I know that other people will comment on, oh, that was so helpful. You're mm. so present to me. And and if not, I'll I'll come away from the day and <laughs> and um and it will not be very full of life for me or for other people. So mm. I um the other reason I need to get away is I find that wisdom for decisions or if i'm for example speaking if i'm asked to speak i can always come up with a speech or a preach or a something off the top of my head but if i take time away i have enough time to listen Mm. for the voice of the good shepherd i have to listen for maybe what the spirit is speaking listen for what listeners need and so the message that i speak is different if I've taken time to um, to do some listening myself. Hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. That yeah, mm-hmm. it's the rhythm of, of listening. And oftentimes, um, I know in, in some circles, oftentimes if we, you know, we engage in, in spiritual disciplines or we engage in prayer, or we engage in our abiding times. In some circles, that, that prayer time is us talking to God and we don't take that time to listen to him, right? It's that I'm just going to throw everything to him. Um, and the, the majority of our time with him should be spent, well, in my opinion, should be spent uh, in listening and being with. Um, and, and so what are some of the, the tools or some things that you have found in your life to, to start to slow down and quiet yourself? Uh, enough where we can actually hear God, listen mm-hmm. to him, um, and be with him in those moments. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say first that the image I like to think about is um, is relationship. Or I've, I've been married for over 40 years, and I think about, and I've, I've done a lot of family counseling. And, um, you know, when you take a course on relationship, the first thing that they'll tell you is the key to relationship is listening. And um, you have in the making room for the other person, not just the speaking, but the listening. Now the problem comes with God is, I mean, it's harder to hear the voice of God. It's not usually audible and it's not knocking us off the, you know, to our feet like he did with uh, Saul. So it requires some waiting, which is not an American thing. Yeah. I mean, we're used to, to have it your way and quick. Yep. And so the waiting, the sitting, the listening, when we're listening for a still small voice, hmm. as opposed to uh, the input we're so used to yeah. with our phones and with social media. And so I have had to cultivate those quiet times. I mean, first, just to give myself permission that I don't have to 
even yeah. be praying for people all the time and go down my yeah. prayer list and tell God what he <laughs> needs to do. And then I remind myself, well, the almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth actually knows. And I say, Jesus is interceding. So I go, well, let me listen for what maybe mm. God is about, which is not always my first yeah. um, prayer request. Uh, because I, I tend to think what I know what God should do. So it's the listening that, um, you know, soothes the soul, but yeah. gives some, some um, input. I, I've also, it's, it's really not natural to mm. sit in silence. Yeah. You've been in a worship, worship time. And they said, we're going to take a minute of silence. If you time that, I mean, you're lucky to get 10 seconds. Yep. I, it's not easy. And it's not easy for us. Yeah. Because the, the you have the outside noise, but then you have all the, you know, the ancient Christians called it the monkeys in the trees. I mean, you know, what did I have for lunch or what about the email I forgot or, oh, I should think about this. And so there is a discipline of sitting and um, focusing. Hmm. I like to just focus on Jesus, but you could also have a word Abba or yeah. or peace or and to actually put our mind on what we want to focus on mm. you know, psalm 27 one thing that i desired of the lord that we'll seek after to you know to to behold the beauty of the lord to put our mind on something and then um try to focus and mm. maybe use our breathing and just be present of course you know within a minute or two or five seconds, something else pops into our minds. Yeah. And um, one of my mentors said, don't, don't beat yourself up when that happens. Just gently let it go. And it just gives you another opportunity to choose God hmm. and to put your mind back. But that, that takes some cultivating. Yeah. Uh, we're not, uh, we aren't trained to do that, but once we get a taste of it, it's, hmm. um, it's got a lot of fruit, not just in that time of listening, mm. but I think in later, because it sort of grounds us in a yeah. different way of being where we're operating out of a source of love rather than reacting to mm. the, the needs of the day. Yeah. And it seems to me if I don't take space like that for me and I, I, is not on top of my mind and I'm not mindful in the midst of, of that. I am definitely reacting um, out of uh, my desire to make sure that, well, personally, my desire to make sure that I can control things and things are not going awry. Like I will be able to fix it. Um, I will, you know, I will get angry if I don't have enough quiet and space where I could listen. <laughs> There's all sorts of things that go awry. Um, and it's mo mainly reacting and me trying to control instead of actually surrendering to God. Um, and so, you know, as we then move into the, the space of being with others and the the cares of the day start to creep in um what are some some rhythms or things during the day that can can bring us back to that place of rootedness and grounded in a space of listening and being with god in our situation and in our day mm -hmm. good question i know my husband when he was right in the middle of a really big corporate um environment that was highly pressured would actually set his alarm for like um 2 p 2 p.m and it would go off like where am i am i frazzled am i mm. hassled or am i grounded yeah and um so i think having a few anchor points in the day um sometimes i mean it could be an alarm i mean if you're in a monastery there's a bell but it yeah. could be even when you open the computer or when you hold your phone, you could say, let me take a breath. Let me pray, you know, um, Lord, fill me with your peace. Mm. We anchor me. So I think, um, I think it can help to have a few of the normal things of the day connected to uh, an anchoring, centering, um, uh, grounding. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it could be when you go to get a glass of water, it, could be when you um, uh, 
uh, walk out the door. Hmm. And also, I, I think um, physical walking, being in nature, mm -hmm. sometimes just uh, standing up, moving our body. Um, for me, I can get into a sort of head space that feels like I've had one too many emails or calls. And so getting up and moving my body, <laughs> ideally, even if it's one walk around the block and seeing something green or, um, or even in the winter, getting a whiff of cool air, um, that that can remind me mm. and remind me that there is a larger creation creator mm. um, and, and give me a perspective when the news of the day or the pains of the people I'm talking to are so heavy and real. Yeah. Um, but I don't want, I, I need to, to, to get re-anchored in a larger source that can help me to, to, to carry that. Mm. You know, even, uh, you know, when Meredith goes uh, for your, for your going away time and you're, you're sitting uh, at your property, you've created a space there where there's a, a lot of places in the, in that space on that property that remind you of God, that point you to him um, and give you that, that sense of groundedness. How important is it for us to order our physical space around us mm -hmm. and to have some points of connection to, mm -hmm. to God? Well, I find it helpful mainly because we're people of remembrance. Mm. So if I create a space, even if it's a particular chair that I sit in, mm -hmm. I get a, if I get a candle or a, my Bible or a, um, a, a, a little quote, or I have something that's there, or maybe a little something, a rock that showed up, uh, that reminds me of God's goodness. Mm. Um, if I go back to that same place, it's easier for me to get to the grounded place and the prayerful place, mm. because it's a little like that, that old experiment of Pavlov's dog where, yeah. you know, the dog would come in and they would feed the dog and he'd start to salivate. And then the dog would start to salivate even when there wasn't food there because it was the place they were familiar. And I find spiritually, if I create a place in my home, a closet, at one place I did have a closet, I know a friend who does a closet, yeah. but just a particular chair, or I'll oftentimes find a place with a view outside, even mm. if it's a little tiny view. Yeah. Um, or at the Belfry, our place, of course, I've created places of, of particular beauty. Yeah. And um I like to go away periodically for longer times in those places. So I think every listener yeah. probably has some magnificent place of, mm. or some place for their own soul yeah. is that sort of place that you can go occasionally. Mm. And you might have a place that you can go sometimes in your city, in your neighborhood, you know, a, a park, a bench, a, mm. A, a church pew, a, a chapel, um, and then in your own home, a spot. Yeah. And I personally find that helps me um, remember and go back to that um, anchored place more quickly. Mm. And uh, just simply by having the physical. I mean, <laughs> we have a God who became incarnate. There's something about yeah. the physicality that uh, we're very physical people. Yes. Yes. And breath, you know, breath mm. and a mind, we can always remember something. Uh, it can be a poem. It can be the daffodils. It can, we can also mentally take ourselves mm. someplace. Yeah. Um, of remembrance of God's goodness, of, mm. of um, the larger, the sky at night, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's so good. Um, you know, as that we we take this place, I'd love to to then figure out a way that, you know, as we encounter others and we engage in, you know, maybe evangelism or we engage in people that are um, far from God and that need an orientation to start to face Him uh, and walk with Him. How can we we take this and and work holistically with people that are far from God? Well, 
I um, honestly think this idea of presence, if we can be present to God, um, like Mary with just the one thing that was needed, it cultivates an ability to be present to other people. I think everyone has experienced something of a person who looked at you and listened to you like you, they really cared about you and then took the time to behold you and um, listen to what was on your heart and mind. Yeah. And that's what we want to give to people. I think if we, uh, in the same way that Jesus would see people mm. and listen to people, that that sense of presence. Um, so whoever we're with, even if we have a day full of many people, or we have mm. a congregation where we're meeting many people at the end of a service, yeah. that even five seconds with a person or 50 minutes or more, the quality of presence, Mm. I think, um, conveys a deep sense of, of love and Mm. healing really. And encouragement to blossom and to Mm. grow. And if we hear and see who a person is, um, that will help us in, evangelism or speaking the good Mm. news because we'll know what applies to them yeah what what piece of good news is it that their particular circumstances or heart is needing right so that listening presence um Leighton Ford who Meredith and I uh you know both he started these mentoring groups it's really good about that I remember him listening to uh, I think he was going to give a a retirement speech for a, a pastor who pastored for so many years. And he got together with him before that, before he, he um, put together his own remarks and he just listened to him. Tell me about your life. Well, tell me about the journey. Tell me about the turning points. And he listened to him for an hour or two. Hmm. At the end, the pastor said, like, I don't know if there's anybody listened to me hmm. that fully for, I don't know how long. And so I think that is gift. And when you've heard a person's story, yeah, you have a much better idea of what piece of good news is going to be good for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. I mean, we often have, you know, prepackaged good news that we think is going to be good news for the person in front of us. But, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, a lot of a lot of us say, oh, John 316 is good news. Um, but it's not good news for the Buddhists um, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Buddhist is saying, I want to get out of this circular reincarnation of a life. Um, and so if that's our first good news to a Buddhist, they're going to be that doesn't make any sense to them whatsoever. Um, so really cultural intelligence uh, is important and not just cross-cultural as like, hey, I live in America and I'm talking about, you know, Thai Buddhists somewhere. I'm talking about, you know, even in my marriage, which is cultural <laughs> intelligence, right? It's a cross-cultural experience, <laughs> right? It is. Uh, it's a cross-cultural experience. Marriage is a cross-cultural experience. <laughs> I know. So it's, every it's relationship. It's the great um, love opportunity of the learning, the training ground. And and all all of us have a lot of learning. (laughs) We have a lot of learning to do, a lot of learning, you know. And so it's it's in that little space that I have to figure out, I have to dig deeper into into Meredith and figure out what is good news for for her and what is her her real struggle, what's Mm -hmm. lying underneath the the pain that she's feeling or the you know the masks that she is wearing um and to figure out what is good news and most of it is you know listening and i found that if i tell her what is good news for her uh it doesn't work out so well but if i help her discover what is good news and the pain point that she is feeling um, then we actually have a fruitful conversation. And I think that is with a lot of people as we're helping them uncover what it is that they are feeling um, and what it is they can start to articulate a need 
and then Jesus can meet them in that need. Um, are, how, how, how can we do that well um, to help people uncover what is really the, the need and good news for them? Yeah, I, um, I think of Isaiah 50, it says, the Lord wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen so that I may know how to give a word um, uh, to, of, of healing. So I think a lot of it is, you know, there is asking questions. Jesus asked a lot of questions yeah. uh, when people came to him and he, you know, what is it you want? What do you seek? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And so as he did, I, I think also it's the looking at the face of the other person, mm-hmm. because as you see what sparks their curiosity or their perhaps tears or, um, or joy, we can go into that. And then we also, if we throw something out, whether it's a story or a word, we can see how they respond. Is that something that they respond to with uh, a welcomeness or with a, a tightening up? And, and we can, um, can pay attention hmm. to the person that we're, we're caring for. Yeah. And that will guide us in the the conversation to see what opens a person up mm. um, rather than closes them down. Yeah. Because very few people are going to receive something good if they're closed up. Mm-hmm. So it's how do we uh, become people that are, are listeners and are welcoming mm. enough for people to to trust us to to share. Mm. So yeah, so how do we do that with uh, with people uh, in, that are suspicious of church insiders and that they're closed off um, and we want to go and actually welcome people, love people and open them up in a way where we can have fruitful conversation? Mm-hmm. I mean, most people, if you start off with saying, tell me something about your story, they can start at whatever point, however deep or shallow yeah. they want. Tell me a little bit about your story or tell me a little about your family or, you know, what's a story from your own experience or uh, a question, you know, you know, what, what's your passion? What's something you really enjoy? And so if, if we can um, offer a question that's open enough that most anybody will welcome it as, as an interest, Hmm. not, uh, you don't want to be interrogating, but as something that, um, like, I'm interested in, in you. And even with church, I think you can say, gosh, a lot of people have had really tough experiences, church, what's, what's been your experience? Yeah, it says, look, I understand there might be some hard, hard things and hurtful things. And it's like, I'd like to hear about those. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you or what were you looking for? Or, you know, what, you know, what is it you're looking for now? Yeah. Um, so that it turns from, you know, our prescriptive answers to yeah. uh, hearing what they're hungry for. Mm. Yeah. It seems to me that uh, I think we often go through a journey in our life where, we want the prescriptive answers um, and we want answers and we go through a phase where we we actually come to the realization that we actually don't know uh, all the answers um, and that we have to hold things with an open hand and we start to start to figure out what Jesus was doing um, and really try to imitate Jesus and walk in his shoes uh, to the people around us and we, we have you know, this journey of early life and, you know, midlife and late life that I think a lot of people follow and fall, fall into. Um, but it, for some people that are early on in their stage um, and are, are holding on tight to, uh, to methodology or something where, you know, this is the way it is, this is the way it has to be, um, what are what are some tips uh, that 
you could give to to people in those early stages uh, where they they may be able to to move through these stages a little little quicker. And I don't know if you actually can. Maybe you just need time in your life. Um, but what are some things that people can do to to start to open themselves up a little bit with their hands open? Um, yeah, I think that, well, we all, when we, when we're excited about something, we want to tell everybody, I mean, my favorite <laughs> flavor of ice cream, I mean, something new came out. So it's a pretty normal thing <laughs> when you have that experience with God that you want to tell everybody about it. Um, and, um, figure everybody must like it the way you like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I think that's natural. And again, my best sense is to, um, a little like Jesus, pay attention to the other person, hmm. look at them, see them. And um, so that it's, it's a little like, it's a dance, it's a yeah. back and forth so that we're gearing our interaction with somebody to their response. Hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been on the street, I mean, we're in DC a lot yeah. on the street and you might have a street preacher who will just it, it say the same thing and have no response to mm. who's walking by. And then there are other people who engage people yeah. and are, um, are, are, are interactive. And so mm. I think it's the piece of, of, um, of having interaction mm. beyond ourselves to the other person and how we can make it, um, 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 you know, more of that conversation, mm. um, that, that opens us both up. And that we yeah. both, you know, that, that we all, we all learn together, hmm. you know, something I re recall Meredith doing such a good, a beautiful job with our group. We oftentimes will share different ways of, uh, that we, um, share the gospel or interact with people. And this was when I think you all were in Jordan and she was telling stories to Muslim women mm -hmm. and she taught us and we did a storytelling method. So we took scripture, but it was, it was a story. It wasn't a thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord from <laughs> the Holy scripture of the Christian Bible. It was like, uh, there's this story yeah. of, um, you know, of these followers of Jesus being in a boat and there's a storm and they're so afraid. And then, and she had each of us take one piece of the story and learn to tell the story. Hmm. And it was so interactive and so gentle that everybody um, took the story in. Yeah. Stories are just such a great way. I mean, Jesus mm. told a lot. So telling a story, yeah. even if it's a story from our own life or asking mm. for a story, I think stories really yeah. engage people and loosen people up for yeah. real relationship. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Leighton Ford uh, a little bit ago, that and uh, you're, you do a lot of work with Leighton in the the mentoring realm and and mentoring groups. And he went from having uh, a very large public ministry and do, you know big uh, big stadium events um, and mm -hmm. went into mentoring. Um, what does that look like uh, for him? But Specifically, what does that look like for you, and why did you want you want to get in on the the mentoring game, and why do you think it's so important? Yes, I um, well, I believe I watched. I mean, Jesus had twelve disciples, yeah, and it's turned the world around two thousand years later. Hmm. So I do think that a deep, ongoing relationship with sometimes with fewer number of people that transform their lives and invest in them over time mm. can make a huge difference. One of the things um, we did with um, Leighton Ford Ministries is invite um, Christians to look down a generation and it might mm. be you're 40. And so you're looking down to 30, it might be yeah. 32 and you're looking down to 20, it might be 70 and it's 60 or 40. But to think of somebody um, and look at the people where you can see the spirit on them. You can see they have a heart mm. for God. They have a heart to make a difference in this world. Yeah. And then to be willing to come alongside 
and to encourage them and to believe in them, not to be, you know, for me, it's not so much, and Leighton, it's not to be a Leighton or yeah. to be an Anne, but it's to see a person that God's uniquely made with their particular gifts yeah. and enable that to blossom and to grow. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, for Leighton, he moved from, from large programs or events to really investing in people. Yeah. And I have always um, had a, a heart for investing in people and also have a sense that there are some, sometimes I run across people who are like, Meredith, like that one is mine. Hmm. And we have that as parents, you know, this yeah. is my child, but I believe there's a larger call hmm. for mothering, for fathering, for mentoring, for encouraging, hmm. um, sistering. Oh, this one is mine because there's a particular, it might be hmm. a, a particular ethnicity or country of the world. That's mine. I have a kinship somehow. Mm. It might be a person who suffered. I have a sister who had a long cancer value. Well, somebody who has suffered, I'm like, I can journey. That one's mm. mine to journey with. Yeah. And I think we look around and say, who are those, those few that we want to invest in more heavily? Mm. And it doesn't mean we don't, uh, many of us have ministries or work that engages lots of people. Yeah. But along the way, there's sometimes a person like this one is mine, like Jesus, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you. Yeah. Um, and, um, and over time, I think that investment multiplies because none of us mm-hmm. will live forever. Yeah. And uh, if we can invest in people who then are investing in others, I think that mm-hmm. is how um, the seed grows and yeah. um the the wheat becomes a field <laughs> and the you know the even the dandelions blow and cover the earth mm. and the the good things sprout um, yeah so it starts oftentimes with that one human interaction yeah no, it's sad that there there is a definite need for mothers and fathers in the lord so mothering and fathering and so what does it look like to become a mother or father in the Lord and and take on that role with others? Uh, well, I I mean the first is availability and a willingness to invest um, beyond yourself, beyond your immediate biological family, and to realize there are other children, there are other kingdom bearers, God bearers to um, invest in. And then, um, you know, my experience has been, well, even with the mentor group, I I thought, I think I'm called to do an international group, but I'm not sure who. And it took me a little while to identify who are the people I wanted to invite to come together. Um, And then when I did, I specifically said, come away you know, come away. And we've done it for over a decade, come away for time to really listen, to eat, to walk, to be, to pray together. Um, and I, probably every one of us, um, Josh has spiritual sons and daughters and nephews and nieces <laughs> or people that we're called to take on yeah. and be that person. Mm. You know, I, Oftentimes, the people, some of the people that I believe I've been called to, to mother yeah. um, more are people who with, with great talent, great um, love of God, but maybe who didn't have that hmm. in the natural for whatever reason. Yeah. And so they're particularly receptive. Hmm. And even in the mentoring, I will sometimes look for people who are hungry for that kind of growing. Yeah. Maybe they've actually had it in the natural, but they're they're hungry for that. Um, yeah. So wouldn't it be great if mean, we just passed Mother's Day and you yeah. know, I mean, it'll be Father's Day to realize <laughs> um, at our church we we uh, the the pastor said on this card write your your mother biological, but the other people who've mothered you mm. as a verb, not just a noun. Yeah, and bless mm. them and thank God for them. 
Uh, and so we can also say, who are we called to, mm -hmm. um, to father, to mother beyond our own children mm. and um, pray for and invest in and care for um, in creative ways. And, mm. and really that is what Jesus, who's my mother, who's my brother, who's my sister. Um, really every, every person in some ways in the image of God is, which is everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do, you know, there's, as Jesus took on the 12, um, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of, of infighting of, you know, the disciples are like, who's the greatest uh, in the kingdom? Who's going to be able to sit on the right hand of, uh, of Jesus? And there all sorts of things of saying like, hey, look at me, I'm the best, you're the best, or you're not the best. And, you know, all sorts of things. As you're, you're bringing uh, groups of people together to, to mentor, um, mm -hmm. How do you navigate those group dynamics uh, as everybody's on on their own journey, but also on the journey with a group together? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I I do think in terms of group dynamics, the same thing with relationships. You know, there's the honeymoon period. There's <laughs> you know the maybe the easy, and then you hit the differences. Yeah. And really, it's how you deal with the differences. And if you make it through, is where you get to the, the deeper part where you've weathered it. Yeah. We had that in one group. Um, it was really over a lot of sort of racial differences. It was, um, uh, it was not Meredith's group, another group. And we got to the point where beyond the being nice to each other, there were a few things that were said that were hurtful, mm. that didn't understand that. And, and we had to have a a pretty heart to heart and open conversation about what people, how people, what people are upset about, how they yeah. had been offended. Um, we had to ask forgiveness. We had to speak um, the truth in love. And when we did, I think we then entered um, it's like a rocket ship. It takes off and then <laughs> before it hits relationships, you know, have to go through that and you have to know you can weather it yeah. to get to another place where you're like, we're, we're going to be able to weather things mm. um, that are hard. Mm. So um, when that happens, it's not something to be surprised at or shocked about, but I think it is important to create the space mm. for people to be safely heard yeah. And in some way, sometimes I think we have to do is slow down the discussion then hmm. sort of one person at a time and that person's heard and then another person hmm. and they're heard. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't begin to be an escalating debate. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really in a small group. That's when the rubber meets the road and you're like, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 <laughs> We're either going to split apart or we're going to mm. navigate through. Mm. I like what you said there, that it doesn't escalate into debate. But then if everybody is heard, then there's dialogue happening. Mm -hmm. And we actually can learn through uh, dialogue with one another because everybody's being heard. That means people are listening and taking in uh, people's sides. If you know a debate is, I'm thinking about my argument and how to win my argument. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is, it's really self-centered in a debate. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what's that? What's a, the secret sauce to, to stay in dialogue and not, you know, go over into debate? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> you know, you know what some groups do? I mean, the Native Americans, one of the things they start with is a talking stick. Yeah. I That's mean, good. if nothing yeah. else, you can say, <laughs> whose turn is it? Yeah. But, you know, you can you can slow it down even more. You can put one person. One of the things we do in our group is each person, you're like, okay, we're going to hear you out until you're done. Yeah. And you go, okay, your turn. All right, let's hear what's <laughs> on your mind. And then you reflect it back. Like, did we hear you? Yeah. And sometimes you'll say anything else and you want to think they're done. But if you say <laughs> anything else, I mean, think about that in your marriage. They'll go, yeah. well, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few other things if you really want to hear. So 
I think giving one person full time to be heard mm. and others to honor that and to thank them mm. and to just hear it and um, reflect it um, before shifting to another mm. person. Um, it, it's the slowing down and really yeah. hearing each person and the fact that each person has a perspective. And if, if we saw it the same way, we wouldn't have a conflict. Hmm. So yeah. the conflict says, Whoa, we got something to learn here. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband, I mean, from the beginning, I was like, you think how? And he was like, you think how? <laughs> <laughs> because you know uh, he, he, he's from a it's a very male you know perspective and i had three sisters and yeah. uh you know we were peace at any price and he was like say whatever you have and shout it out so um it took a lot of um slowing down and learning mm. what what's the other person's perspective mm. uh before yeah. you move on to yours yeah that's really good uh What's uh, what's one thing that Jesus is highlighting to you lately? Jesus, actually, one thing Jesus is highlighting to me, my um, my mother recently died hmm. after a long um, life, uh, a good life. This was not a tragedy. It was a uh, holy dying after hmm. many years of losing. But uh, in the Apostles' Creed, we say, you know, very quickly, I believe in the communion of saints. Mm-hmm. Like what? But when you have people you know on the other side, I, um, I've i been pondering mm. the communion of saints. I've been thinking of Jesus and the transfiguration, mm. talking about Moses and Eli- with Moses and Elijah. I've been aware that we are, um, uh, we have people who've gone before us who have a mm. lot to teach us and are mm. praying us, surrounded by you know, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Mm. And so I'm, Jesus is letting me know there's a cloud of witnesses and those who are praying me over. And that also um, there's a baton I'm handing on. I had a granddaughter who was just baptized. It's like, yes, this gospel <laughs> is in the next two generations down. Hooray. Mm. Um, and realizing that I want to see that passion and energy in a next generation that might surpass me. Yeah. And so it's this, um, it's a beautiful um, uh, communion of saints, past, present, to come, and how we are interwoven mm. um, uh, together into this tapestry. Mm. So that's one of the things actually I've been pondering mm. in this Easter season Yeah. Um, and giving thanks for yeah. All the connections. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, two two quick questions at the end. If you could go back to your twenty one year old self, what advice would you give? I think for my twenty one year old self, I would say pay more attention to your cultivating your inner self hmm. than responding to every external need. Hmm. Because that's I good. think that would help me. The person I've become, when I'm most um, fruitful, I think it's because I've grown into the person I was created to be more uniquely rather than just responding to um, the external need or what other people said I ought to do. Yeah. So I think I would take that time to cultivate Mm. a little more of my inner quiet life to be more fruitful externally. Mm. It's good. Anything you've been reading or watching lately you could recommend? Um, well, I have a book that a friend just gave me. Uh, it was called Pilgrim Souls. Mm-hmm. And it's a book of many saints, many people who've gone before. And um, it, it's just the example and the learnings from so many other people uh, has been quite mm-hmm. helpful. And I also, actually, I'm reading an old classic, um, Interior Castle by Teresa of Avila, which is is this cultivation of the inner life with God. So it's the old classic and people before. Um, we have so much to learn from yeah. those who, um, from, from others around us. Yeah, 
before, way before and, and currently. Um, yes. Just like I learned from, from, you know, even, even from this conversation and from Meredith when we gather and um, yeah. isn't it great? We're in a larger community. Yes, we and are. And all the listeners <laughs> That's who are right. with us today. I know. Isn't that great? There's a lot of people that are here that uh, that are learning and growing. And who knows what, what seeds uh, can, can multiply and grow uh, even out of this conversation as people listen and then they go out and they start to have some silence uh, and solitude with God and start to cultivate that listening arm and that listening time with him and uh, the things that he's going to be able to, to share and say in the midst of it. You know, there's one challenge that I, one thing that a friend of mine, older than I, challenged me to that made a huge difference in my life. Mm. She told me, um, go take a 24-hour silent retreat with God. And I had never done that. And I had no idea how to do it. And when I did, at first, it was a little um, anxious and hard, but mm. it, it, it became a source mm. for me. So um, if anybody's listening and hasn't ever done that, go get 24 hours with Jesus, with God, and uh, mm. see, see what will happen to uh, cultivate that best relationship of all. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's great. Let's leave it at that. That's a great challenge. So, Anne, thank you so much. It was a privilege uh, to talk to you uh, and what a pleasure it is. And so I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you so much. Uh, thank for you so on. much for, yeah. um, for having me. And thanks to all those who took their time to listen. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.